This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Gunatal. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you live from the TGT Stadium. Thank you so much for taking your seats as we prepare to keep you up to date with all things Arsenal. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Good morning and uh, good morning to everybody joining us live. Yes, indeed. One more day to go until it is indeed match day. Thank goodness. It's come around a lot quicker than it felt. To be honest, yeah, it's Friday. It's good feeling to be Friday, but uh, the main focus is on football returning this weekend. How much do we need those midweek games to return? Because I, for one, absolutely require those midweek games to return because, you know, waiting a whole week for football is just not fair. Well, thankfully, in a couple of weeks' time, we will have midweek football back as Arsenal take on Aston Villa. But more about that a little bit later on. Matt G, good morning to you. Poll question, do you think Aubameyang has watched All or Nothing? Good question. I'll be interested to see what you guys think as well. Good morning to Carl, to Liam. Uh, Carl, sorry, mate. You, you still work quite first. <laughs> Matt G, just getting in there. Very, very, so very, very slightly. Just that little bit faster. Liam, good morning to you, to Paul. Uh, to Lee as well, Martin and Olu and Stevie and Kaiser and James, Jose and Blackshine and Afsar and Gunnar Greg. Good morning. William, Devin, Akshat, PJ. Good morning. Hope you're all doing good and well. Guna, Jake and Amir and uh, Anthony. Uh, we've got Nick and Marcus and Greg joining us as well. A ridiculous o'clock in California. Uh, Jasha, good morning to you. To Cody and Philip. Good morning, guys. Colton, Sartvik, Stephen. And plenty more as well. Hope that you have had a fantastic week. Thank goodness we've got our game back tomorrow. Plenty to talk about. First off, though, of course, the show is sponsored by Football Prizes. And we sold out of our first three prizes within the space of a week. And we've got a brand new price that you can actually get an early bird offer for. This, of course, is relevant to the time that we are recording at 8am on Friday, uh, of which you can get a early bird 796 uh, per ticket price. This is a hospitality ticket to Arsenal versus Fulham. The game takes place on Saturday, the 27th of August at 5.30 p.m., of course, at the Emirates Stadium. Located at club level in the Emirates, you'll have one of the best views in the stadium too. And not only that, but if you enter the prize draw, you have a chance of winning an instant prize. And that instant prize is the number 23 ticket. And it's a signed and framed Gabriel Jesus Brazil mount. Um, so make sure that if you do get a ticket, you keep an eye out for what number in the raffle you get given. Because if you get given number 23, you will get yourselves a signed Gabriel Jesus mount. So make sure you get hold of that. What I would say is that prize is draw- drawn on the 24th of august and because of that you need to make sure that you're able to travel 
to the game and you're able to get there and back yourself. So just make sure all of your logistics are in place before you enter a prize competition for a match day ticket. Link, as always, to the competition is in the video description. Moving forwards, make sure you're subscribed to the Arsenal way. I'll be live over there as always at 10 a.m. UK time with the boys to talk about tomorrow's game in more detail. And yesterday I was joined by Lee Judges, Mike and Raf uh, to talk all about the All or Nothing series in full, in detail. And we reviewed it, gave our thoughts. That's the last upload on the channel. So if you've watched All or Nothing now uh, and you want to hear our thoughts on the entire series, make sure you go and watch that show with myself, Lee Judges, Mike and Raf from yesterday. Uh, anyway, let's crack on with today's stories. We start with Fabio Vieira. Of course, we told you yesterday that he played in the Arsenal 2-1 win over Swansea. Uh, fantastic stuff there. However, what was interesting is that it was revealed uh, to London. My colleague Kai Kainak was at the game and speaking to Mehmet Ali, the under-21s boss, he was actually told to play Vieira on the right-hand side, giving Arsenal fans a very big indication about where we could expect Fabio Vieira to feature. It could also have some kind of indication on perhaps what Arsenal's transfer priorities will be between now and the end of the window. Fabio Vieira is indeed playing in a wide area. It could tell us a lot about what we might be wanting to do in the market regarding more of a midfield addition to the team. I wrote a piece yesterday up on Football.London about how Diogo Jota could be compared to Fabio Vieira and how Arsenal have got their very own kind of Jota-style player that allows us to play him in any of the front three positions and give strong competition and backup to any of those three players. Now, Salah Reddin, or Salah Ulad Umhand, uh, will leave the club to join Hull City on loan for the rest of this season. However, there is also an option to buy in his contract. We're unsure about the valuation of that option at this moment in time. As soon as we get any info on that, we'll, of course, bring that to you. But look, this is a bit of a frustration for me. I really like Salah Adin. I think he's a brilliant player. Lots of potential, really technically gifted. The issue, of course, for him is there just isn't really a pathway into the Arsenal first team for a midfielder right now. Charlie Patino is ahead of him. Miguel Aziz is probably still ahead of him. It's going to be very, very difficult for Salah to, to get into the team. And so, therefore, Alone absolutely makes sense. For me, the frustration is the option to buy. Uh, it gives Arsenal absolutely no control. If he has an amazing season in the championship with Hull City, then what do they do? Uh, they'll be out of control uh, to take, obviously, to, to, to have to accept the bid and the price tag that's been agreed between the two teams. We don't know what that price tag is yet. We will have to wait and see what indeed happens there. Now, Hector Bellerin has received an offer from Udinese. This area side have made a uh, proposal to the player. However, he continues to wait for a move to Real Betis. Barcelona still apparently are of interest to Bellerin and he would be open to a move there as well. Spain clearly is his preference. However, he may be frustrated because Betis have no intention still at the moment of paying a fee for Bellerin. Uh, Manuel Pellegrini has even come out at Betis and said that they are done with their business for the summer. Of course, these are just tactics, but he may have to settle if he wants to move for a move to Serie A and Udinese. He has received several offers from Serie A throughout the summer and has not so far welcomed them. 
We imagine this will be the same situation now as well. But Hector Bellerin, who, as you probably noticed, is in one of the funniest poses that you can find of him on the internet, with a very well-placed bottle in front of him, you have to say, as well. <laughs> Just noticing that on my screen. Moving forwards to Nicolas Pepe. Uh, RMC Sports, one of the more reliable French outlets, have also doubled down on reports that Nice remain interested in taking Nicolas Pepe on loan. And uh, also that Nice are that team um, that would be very open to doing it. And Arsenal are very open to the idea of, of accepting a low move for Nicola Pepe. They see this as an opportunity to get him more regular minutes so that in the summer of 2023, they will perhaps be in a much better position to get a better fee for him. Nicola Pepe has struggled. We know that he hasn't been given arguably enough chances, really. But to be fair, when he has been given chances... They haven't always been taken. You know, the Wolves game is a bit of an anomaly across last season, unfortunately, for Pepe. He just has not been able to cut it. And Arsenal, frankly, should be looking to try and get someone better to compete with the likes of Bakaya Saka. Is Fabio Vieira already that guy? Potentially. Will it be someone we're looking to sign? Who knows? We will have to wait and see. But Nicola Pepe, Arsenal, still said to be very open to letting him leave. Now, Mainsley, uh, you may have been wondering who Mainsley is if you're one of our newer listeners. But if you're a long-time listener of the channel, you'll know that Mainsley is the nickname for Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Uh, in particular, it was when he was playing more regularly and absolutely bossing those wing-back positions. Uh, but Mainsley now has received an offer from West Ham United, or at least they're exploring a, a potential offer to loan Maitland-Niles for the rest of this season. Arsenal have a fairly good relationship with West Ham United regarding transfers. We've seen a number of players move over there, including the likes of Jack Wilshere, uh, Lucas Perez, remember? I have a feeling that maybe even Cole Jenkinson, off the top of my head, I'm now frantically Googling, but I have a weird feeling that Cole Jenkinson was on loan at West He was for two seasons. I think he did quite well. Uh, whilst he was there too. So yeah, Jenkinson was on loan at West Ham for two years uh, and I think he did pretty well whilst he was out there. He played plenty of games, 32 games in one season, 20 games in another season, scoring two goals. So yeah, very interesting indeed. Knowledge off the top of my head on a Friday morning. But Mainsley potentially could be moving forward to West Ham on loan for the season. Yeah, it's more like Plainsley now because he's not done all that much, has he, Dumanguna? Very plain performances indeed. And lastly, our headline story of the day, and the only real incoming chat to be had today as well is that Yuri Tielemans, um, the latest on him, as Fabrizio Romano uh, spoke about in his Court Offside podcast, is that he remains Arsenal's priority, and yet no bid has yet arrived. So whilst this is certainly only the latest, it is no by any means an update on his situation. It's just a frustrating scenario and saga that is just going to rumble on probably until deadline day, and who knows what's going to happen there. But uh, we will continue to talk about him because he keeps getting brought up in the news and we don't like to ignore these types of stories. So <laughs> apologies that there's nothing too big on the Tielemann story. And it's just Fabrizio Romano saying that he remains Arsenal's priority and that no offer has still yet been lodged for the midfielder, uh, with Arsenal still said to be focused on outgoings for the likes of Pepe, Bellerin and Mainsley in particular. So... Yeah, there you go. That is all of today's stories rounded up for you. Uh, do drop a like on the video and subscribe. If you're new, we're going to go and take some of your questions in the chat box. So now is the time to start throwing them into the chat after this short break.
All right, then, as I said at the start of the show today, as always, we're sponsored by Football Prizes, and the prize this week is a hospitality ticket sitting in club level to watch Arsenal against Fulham on the 27th of August. Prize draw is on the 24th, so make sure that your logistics are in measure before you enter the competition. Read terms and conditions always. There is also an instant win prize number if you do enter this. If you manage to win uh, number 23 in terms of your ticket, you will also win a signed Gabriel Jesus Brazil montage uh, as well. All the information and terms and conditions are in the link in the description, so make sure you go and check that out. But uh, there is now, just refreshing my screen, there is only how many tickets are left of this? Uh, 25 have been sold, so there are only 40 tickets left. So uh, tickets like this, in terms of for an Arsenal game, are gold dust right now, as many people who are Red members will know. So it's certainly worth one sinking your teeth into. Let's jump into the chat then and go through some of your questions. Marcus says, incoming cash poor, all gone quiet on new signings. Are we going to sign anyone? It's the ultimate question, Marcus, really, because the ultimate answer is, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to sign someone. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and you know be disingenuous to you. I don't know if we're going to sign anybody. I'm hopeful that we will be open to signing someone. We are open and we are exploring the opportunities that are out there. But Arsenal are only going to go and sign a player that they think is going to give them the best output that they could possibly get from that investment. They aren't going to go out and spend money for the sake of spending money. It doesn't make any sense for them to do that. Otherwise, you end up like Manchester United. Let, let's just have a brief interlude on Arsenal, actually, for a moment to talk about Manchester United. <laughs> you know, I can't really get my head around some of the deals they're doing. You know, Casemiro is a good player. I'm not going to sit here and try and sugarcoat to Arsenal fans that Man United wouldn't be getting a good player in Casemiro. He is. However, you're going to be investing a ridiculous amount of money. There's talk of something like 50 million euros in a player that's 30 years of age and you're going to pay him a huge amount of money in wages to potentially get a deal done. And then in a year... In a year or two's time, when he's 31, 32, and you've added on to a three- or four-year contract, you could be stuck with a player that you're then trying to move on because he's declining and he's not necessarily in the same place as he was two years ago. Oh, yeah, I don't really get adding a four-year contract for that amount of money for Casemiro. I don't get it, especially for Man United. You know, in the context of things, you know, if it was Man City replacing Fernandinho with Casemiro whilst they've got Rodri. I might understand that. You know, that makes sense. They can afford to do it. They've got a good position. But Man United, they need to be rebuilding. They need to be making smart decisions. And for me, Casemiro is not a smart choice if you're working a rebuild by any stretch of the imagination. If he was three or four years younger, sure thing. Just doesn't make any sense for them. I don't really get that. Then they're being linked to Carrasco. They're being linked to go for Anthony again. They're being linked with uh, Gakpo. And they're just not getting the players. I mean, the honest answer is, if you were a Man United fan, you'd be feeling pretty frustrated by the way in which your, your club is struggling to sign players. But the honest answer is right now, no one wants to go to you. No player, really, unless they are being given a stupid amount of money to convince them, is going to Man United right now. Lissandro Martinez, the only reason he chose Man United over Arsenal is because Arsenal weren't willing to match the price that Ajax wanted. Had Ajax agreed a fee with Arsenal, I would have put my house on Lissandro Martinez favouring a move to Arsenal over Man United because they are an absolute mess of a club and long may it continue. Yugang uh, says, is it concerning that there is little valid links for incomings specifically when we are in the third week of August already and we certainly have gaps? It's interesting that we talk about gaps. 
I think that there are potentially underestimations of certain individuals in the squad that can cover a number of positions to a level of quality that maybe we don't think they can. Fabio Vieira is being slept on. As I wrote yesterday on my piece, I genuinely think there's a chance that Fabio Vieira could become the Diogo Jota of our squad. He plays everywhere. Left wing, right wing, false nine, could even cover for Jesus and Nketiah if we were desperate. You know, can play at 10, can play at 8. He is a quality player that can cover a multitude of positions on the field. We've got, in midfield, a lot of players. You know, we might not have the quality that we want, but we have a lot of players. We've got Partey, we've got Xhaka, we've got Elneny, we've got Lokonga, we've got Erdegaard, we've got Smith-Rowe, we've got Vieira, of course, who can still play there. You know, we have a lot of players to play those midfield three. I want to see a signing there. That's my preference. I'd love to see us go out and sign someone in midfield. I think it's an absolute must still. But what I would say is that the word gap, I think, is a bit of a an overstatement of how of how much of a problem there is. I think it would be a benefit to Arsenal to strengthen what they already have. But I wouldn't describe the areas in the team as gaps. I would describe them as areas that we could strengthen and reinforce and add a certain level of quality to. Um, but I think maybe we're underestimating the existing players already in the team. Uh, Hassad Dogain says, uh, Morning, Tom. Any updates on the mystery winger? No, <laughs> there isn't any, I'm afraid. Aiden says, if we are still in the market for our wide forward, how would you feel about Danny Olmo? Not really a wide forward. I know he can play in wide areas. He's a little bit like Jeremy Pino, I suppose, in the sense that he's more of kind of a wide player that's got a midfield ilk to them. Santi Cazorla, when he played in a wide area for Villarreal, again, kind of similar. I think that's more what Danny Olmo is. I wouldn't describe him as a wide forward. I like him. You know, if, if we're bringing in an attacking midfielder, Danny Olmo would certainly on my list of players that I would go for. Uh, Ashton Elliott says, if we get Tillemans, would you be disappointed if we didn't get him sooner to fit in with the squad in pre-season? We saw some good early business early in the season. So would this be a problem? I don't necessarily think so because he's a Premier League player already. So there's not necessarily that transition that needs to take place. I think we saw a player like Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko and White and Ramsdale transition very seamlessly because they all had Premier League experience, you know, so it's not taken them long to transition at all. So because of that, I would say no. Uh, Riderman Weep uh, says, uh, given that this Tillerman story has been going on for so long with no actual bids, do you think that we are really interested in him? Yes, I do think we're really interested in him, but I just don't think we've bid. I just don't think that Arsenal have deemed it the right point in time to, to bid the amount of money that Leicester are asking for. For the player. But yes, I do absolutely think that we are interested in signing him. We just haven't firmed up that interest as of yet. Uh, Clockwork Tangerine says, football conspiracy. Clubs are contractually obligated to buy a player on deadline day to bring viewership to Sky Sports. <laughs> conspiracy away, my friends. I can't buy into that one, but uh, you'll definitely see deals done on deadline day. Uh, King says, worry about Olmo. Uh, I am moving inside. Ojo and Dan, sorry, I've just completely messed that one up. I'm just talking about Danny Olmo and now I'm thinking of Daniel and Ojo. Uh, I'm moving in silence regarding fantasy football, potentially. Ojo had a brilliant first couple of weeks to the TGT Fantasy League, which of course you can join if you go to the link tree in the description. I've done all right, you know, not too bad, but uh, yeah, our big league, I'm nowhere near the top, but our members league, not doing too bad to be fair at the start of the season other than the fact that Daniel Robert is completely copying my team that that's all I'll say Iris says Tom do you think if United somehow beat Liverpool it will change the narratives around both teams are United too far gone for any positivity if United somehow beat Liverpool they go above them in the table and it looks completely different not wildly different for Man United but certainly for Liverpool certainly Liverpool's 
title race. You would imagine that if they lose and they've picked up two points on a potential nine, you know, to claw back seven points off of City, which they could have to do, even this early in the season, you would say it's going to be a real challenge, a real challenge. So if United somehow get a result against Liverpool, woof. Uh, I still hope Liverpool win, obviously. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it will change the narratives more so, I think, for Liverpool than Man United. Uh, Samuel says, Tom, who would be your ideal choice for the touchline hugging winger for the Saka type role? It's a great question um, because there honestly aren't loads of options out there. Ideal choices, I'd love someone like Jared Bowen. I like the idea of adding goals to the wide areas, but he's going to be ridiculously expensive. Um, and beyond him, you know, you really are struggling to find a player that you realistically could add. Serge Gnabry obviously comes to mind, but you're not going to be able to get him because he's just signed, I think, a new deal with Bayern. There isn't a multitude of players, you know, out there to go and get. And, and that in itself is a problem. I did a piece on Partey a couple of days ago talking about how if we want a competitor for Partey, it's going to be difficult to find someone. You know, I think there's a couple of options. Guido Rodriguez at Real Betis, I think, is a potential one. There's also one at, um, at Ajax, Mexican defensive midfielder. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I know the chat box are absolutely screaming it at me, but a few people have suggested him and I better look into him and actually I don't think it's too bad of a suggestion at all. Um, is it like, a, a, first name begins with E, surname begins with something. Come on, chat, help me out. I, I need the chat to upload, to <laughs> update. Alvarez, thank you. Thank you, Well, wow, I needed that. Um, is it Ednan Alvarez, I think his name is, or Edson Alvarez? Um yeah, he's an interesting option I think Arsenal could potentially look into um, if they wanted to sign a number six. I think that would that would potentially be a, an option. Uh, and thank you for those that did suggest that as well. Uh, Aya, thank you so much for the kind donation, my friends. Much appreciated. Uh, Aya says, not sure if you've noticed, Tom, but many Arsenal fans are now unrealistically questioning our third or second goalkeeping choice players and want more quality, like holding into a certain area, uh, as if a quality player would be happy being in a squad player position like that. Uh, yes, I am aware because this is an, a, a kind of a debate me, myself and Mo have had over on the Arsenal Lounge. Am I concerned about Matt Turner? No, I'm not concerned about Matt Turner at all. I trust the recruitment at this stage in time. I have no reason to doubt that recruitment. I have no reason to be worried. We've seen him in fits and spurts and not too much at all. Uh, I have not seen enough to make a judgment. And I hear very good things from those like Sophie that have watched him plenty in the US. He needs to get up to speed. He needs to transition. That takes some time. And in the cup games and Europa League games, we know that Matt Turner is going to start those fixtures. It is unrealistic to expect that Leno would have stayed. I, Leno wanted to move. Leno wanted to go. Is he a better goalkeeper than Turner? Absolutely. There's no debate about that. But finding someone as good as, as Leno to be a backup is going to be very, very, very difficult to do. You rarely see teams have a very solid backup option. And Turner is a decent shot stopper. The, the, the thing about Turner is we still need to try to find out if his distribution is going to be good enough. But that is certainly something that he's going to be coached to get a lot better at. I trust him a lot more than I did Runnison. Trust me about that. Uh, Matt says, Tom, why do you hate Juventus so much? Seem to remember you saying they were a club that you hated on a previous show. Look, I never used to dislike Juve. I used to have a lot of respect for Juve. But I'm sorry. <laughs> but they are one slimy club. <laughs> they are. Oh, I wonder who Arsenal are linked to. I'm just going to go and nab that player and nab that player and take that player and try to take Gabriel Jesus. Well, you failed. You didn't get him. And now you're going to languish finishing 
fourth every year in Serie A. I just, you know, I just don't like Juve anymore. I have no, no interest, no interest at all in, in Juventus. They are the hijackers of, of the transfer window for Arsenal. And I, I hate them. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that uh, answers your question. Um, King says, Tom, do we need to buy vocal players? Only Xhaka was vocal and it looks like Jesus and Zinni could be, uh, but it is, is it enough? Honestly, on the pitch, it's a very different story. If you go to the games, you can hear the players shouting at one another. Odegaard is very vocal on the pitch. Ben White is very vocal on the pitch. Xhaka is obviously vocal. Tierney is vocal. You know, Ramsdale is very vocal. On the field, they are vocal. But in the All or Nothing series, we saw a lot more in terms of what was going on behind the scenes and in the dressing room. And look, if Arteta's talking, you didn't really see people talk. And for me, I didn't necessarily like that. I'd love to see more frustration, more chat. You know, Ramsdale spoke a lot. Xhaka spoke a lot. White spoke quite a bit as well. But I would like to see some more verbal stuff. But we obviously don't know what also didn't make it into the cup. There is only so much they showed us across eight episodes, 40-odd minutes long of a whole year season. You're not going to be able to fit everything that happened, everything that was said, everything that was frustratingly shouted about into every game. You're just not going to see it. So I don't think necessarily we can um, conclusively kind of rule out anything like that at all. Uh, let's go to Mo. He says, hi, Tom, with us giving Eddie a new contract, do you feel we need to start him in more games to ensure he could be the backup striker to Jesus? I feel he needs a few more Prem starts to help his confidence. Uh, potentially, Mo, and it's absolutely a fair question to ask. I do think with Europa League and I do think with the Carabao Cup and potentially the FA Cup, of course, when that comes around later on in the year, next year, uh, I think there will be plenty of opportunities for Nketiah to start games. I also think with the five substitutions, we're going to see a lot more of Nketiah. And when we've got more than one game a week, we're going to see a lot more of him as well. But you raise a good point. We do need to give him more minutes. I think he could come on earlier in certain games. He could even come on to play with Jesus, not necessarily instead of Jesus. You know, I think there's a, a, a shout to say that they could play together. You could take off Martinelli and bring on Nketiah on the left. I think that is a very viable option for Arsenal to look to if they wanted to do that. Uh, Olu says, hey, Tom, are we underestimating Xhaka? Probably. Uh, he is thriving with his late runs into ro and positional rotation with Zinchenko. Is top notch? Yes. In short, yes. Every I think people do underestimate Xhaka. I think he gives us plenty of options and I think he could definitely offer us something that maybe people aren't necessarily expecting and could surprise a lot of people again this season. Uh, Daniel says, I'm not fully sold on Ben White, a fullback. Uh, I, I mean, I don't blame you, Daniel. He's not a fullback for starters. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's been a solid option for us. But when Tommy Asa returns, where do you see Ben White slotting in? I see him rotating with Saliba, you know, and Saliba will probably end up starting the Premier League games from now on because he's been brilliant. So White will come in when need be in certain games. He'll come off the bench. He'll start in the cup games, the Europa League. He'll start in certain midweek games. You think we've got, uh, let me have a look at the fixtures. I've got them up. We play Fulham on Saturday the 27th and we play Aston Villa on Wednesday the 31st. There's no reason why we don't have to start. We don't have to start Saliba in both of those games. We can rotate. You know, we've got the squad. We've got the depth. You don't need to play the same team in both fixtures. They're both home games. We need to manage our expectations of these fixtures and we need to try and do it in a way in which it gives us the best advantage possible going into those fixtures. That's what we need to ultimately see. Um, let's go to uh, Io says, how is Vlaovic doing? He's scoring goals, but honestly, I mean, Sophie was out there in the US watching Juve a lot and wasn't impressed by him at all. That was pre-season. Um, but yeah, I don't particularly know how he's got on at the start of this season. Let's have a quick check of Juve's fixtures. 
Um, Serie A has started, right? I'm sure it has. Yeah, they played one game and he scored twice. One of them was a penalty. So, you know, he's scoring goals. So the season, as the season starts, looks quite good. But I wouldn't swap him for Jesus. Not a chance. Um, let's go to, let's go down a little bit more. Christian says, Tommy News on signing Pedro Neto. No. Uh, 90 min reported, as we talked about yesterday, that he potentially could move at the end of the window. But regarding Arsenal, no, there isn't anything at this moment in time. Uh, Lynn says, for me, the fans love the players, but this was the show uh, in terms of all or nothing. The fans are manager and prove that he is the right man. You know, I think there's a lot of people... Um, there is a lot of people that I think went into that series that didn't particularly like the manager that got out what they were wanting to get out of it, which was to criticise, which was to make fun of, which was to undermine what was going on. If you went into the series as a big fan of Arteta, you probably came out of the series going, wow, uh, what an interesting character. You know, I love the, his passion. I love his commitment. I love the fact that he reacts in certain games like he does with anger and wants the best for the club and has that clear Arsenal kind of mindset that, we have to win every game. The ambition is not top four. The ambition is to try and get to where we want to be, which is winning trophies again and get back to the top. That's clearly the, the man's mentality. So I think you get out of it what you put in. And if you go into the series with doubts, you'll come out of it with doubts. If you go into it thinking that Arteta is brilliant, you'll come out probably thinking he's more brilliant than, than you already did. I came out of it enjoying it in certain moments. I came out of it with criticisms. I came out of it with... Uh, we've still doubts because I have my doubts still about Arteta, uh, about whether he is the right guy to take us back to the, the Premier League title challenging Arsenal. I want him to be because it obviously means that we've got the coach right now that's going to take us there. But I think what you will get out of it is is what you put in. Uh, let's go to Charlie says, I think we need a big man still uh, and up front. Yeah, look, I think that there has been a, a huge, big kind of emphasis on Arsenal needing a big, tall striker. But I think what we've seen from the first two games is that a big, tall striker isn't necessarily going to benefit us with the way that we play. The style of play from Arsenal in the first two games has been intricate. It's been on the floor. It hasn't been with too much crossing. We do put the odd ball into the box. And in fairness, we scored from one of them against Leicester with Ben White's ball into the box that eventually fell to Xhaka. Um, and he scored. But I don't think, especially without Tierney regularly in the team, that you're going to see a lot of crosses, a lot of long balls, a lot of you know chipped passes. And the way Gabriel Jesus plays, you know, it's it's very beneficial to that style of on the floor, quick passing, intricate play, uh, movement, all of that. You know, I think Jesus suits that. I don't think necessarily we benefit right now from a tall forward, but there might be points throughout the season in which we're drawing or we're losing by one goal in the final five minutes of a game. And we could benefit from having a big tall lump up top. The question is, who are you going to bring in and convince that their role is going to be that? I don't know, is the honest answer. I'm not sure who would do that or why they would do that or how much it's going to cost us or what type of investment it's going to be. There are a lot of questions uh, about that. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, let's go to Matthew says, Sam Lowe, can't we do a separate deal that says if Alba sold uh, for X amount, we get a fee? What did Sam Lowe say? Uh, I think uh, you can do that if he is a free but only a sale. I think we're talking about a Bamiyang here. Uh, where's the original question? Just on the Abamyang thing, I expect, and this is just a prediction using the lack of telepathy I have, that you will see criticism of Arsenal because Chelsea might end up paying 22 million quid for Abamyang. Now, what you need to remember is that this is 
a very different scenario than it was six months ago. Um, oh, apparently the mic's gone weird. Two seconds. Uh, why is the mic gone weird? Um, I don't know how the... Okay, right. We're going to use the backup mic. We're going to use the backup mic. Okay. Here we go. I'm hoping that you can hear me more. Back. We're using the backup microphone because this one's not working. Um, in terms of in terms of Aubameyang, I think you're going to hear a lot of people uh, kind of talking about um, the fact that we let him go for free, about the fact that we um, aren't going to get any money for him, about there's no sell-on clause, all of that stuff. You're obviously going to hear a lot about that because it's it's the narrative of this. But when you look at what happened in January um, and you look at what happens now, the context of January was this is a player that was not wanted by the manager. This is a player that was consistently having disciplinary problems, as we know factually, and a player that no one was interested in signing. You know, even Barcelona wanted to just take on a loan deal, which was of no benefit to Arsenal at the time because they didn't think it was going to benefit them in the summer in any way, shape or form. So that was the situation. They wanted to mutually cancel his contract. They couldn't do that. And so instead of doing that, obviously what they did was is they, in a way, mutually terminated his deal, but with an agreement of a certain amount of wages that would be paid until the end of, this, uh, end of the season. Fast forward to now... Abamyang is on a ridiculously less wage compared to the £350,000 per week. I think, and I need to double check this, and maybe Chatbox should be able to say this is true. But Mike was saying yesterday, and I've not read this yet, so I might be wrong, and I'm going to try and search it up. But apparently, Abamyang is now on 180000 a week compared to the three hundred and fifty he was uh, at Arsenal. And I'm pretty sure he took that wage cut in order to um, kind of, you know, make the deal happen, basically. And because he's on 180K a week rather than 350K a week, it makes him a lot more accessible for teams to want to come in and buy him. Also, there wasn't a Chelsea scenario in January. There weren't any teams on the lookout for a striker like Aubameyang and weren't desperate to pay whatever it is to pay to bring him in. He's now on significantly less money now, like half as much as he was on before, just under, just over, sorry. It, it's just completely different. You know, if he returned from a loan in the summer, he would have still been on 350k a week. And finding someone to pay Aubameyang that amount of money and pay 20-odd million for him, you know, it, it's just not going to happen. So... I imagine you'll see criticism of Arsenal over the Aubameyang situation. Could we have handled it better? Absolutely. We weren't perfect in that situation. I'm not going to try and dress it up that we was. But any criticism to say that Arsenal have missed out on 22-odd million quid for Aubameyang, I'm sorry, it just doesn't line up. It just doesn't line up. And I can't back that narrative because it just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And he wasn't playing well. You know, he scored four goals. He's gone to La Liga and scored a ridiculous number more. But he wasn't scoring in the Premier League. He wasn't performing. So he needed that switch. Who knows what's going to happen at Chelsea if he does indeed move. I hope it fails. Obviously, I don't want Chelsea succeeding. Would I, I, I put a tweet out yesterday, actually, with a poll saying, would you boo Aubameyang if he returned to the Emirates? Some people said yes, because they just boo because it's Chelsea. And they always boo whenever whoever pulls on the shirt for Chelsea. 
Uh, I don't tend to boo. Uh, just not something I do. But 48.3% of people said yes. 51.7% of people said no. It was very split. You know, so it's going to be intriguing what the reaction is if Aubameyang does indeed move um, over um, to to Chelsea about whether or not there's going to be any changes. Anyway, uh, we're going to wrap things up there. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. As I said before, please do go and watch our review of the uh, All or Nothing series. I was joined by Lee and Raf and Mike. I can see Raf's in the chat box this morning as well. Thank you so much, Raf, for joining us. Uh, so make sure you go and give that a watch. That's the last upload on the channel. Uh, a full review and chat about the series. Any questions you might have about my thoughts, hopefully will be answered in that series, uh, in, in the video of the series. So yeah, go and check that one out. Uh, link as always in the description for all our socials. And if you would like to help support the channel and join up as a member, uh, I would really very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you uh, probably tomorrow morning. Indeed, I will see you tomorrow morning and potentially this afternoon as well. I will definitely see you though at 10 a.m. over on the Arsenal Way. So do join me in just under an hour and a half time over there. See you very soon, guys. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.